up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. It's coming at you Monday through Friday, every single weekday. So make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. Today's episode, a special one. The NCAA tournament starts today. Well, technically, like the first four in now, it starts a little earlier than normal. But I'm old school, baby. I'm I'm a, I'm a mid-range millennial. I believe the tournament starts on Thursday morning as an East Coast kid. And to get us prepped for that NCAA tournament, it's the best out there doing it. Host of NBA Big Board, the founder of NBA Draft Junkies, and friend of the program, my friend and yours, Raphael Barlow. Raphael, how are you doing? Thanks for joining the program. I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me on. We said the best out there doing it. Now it puts a lot of pressure on me because I have to really uh, know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, listen, I have a lot of faith in you. And if listeners remember your previous, uh, you know, you've been on the show three or four times. Yep. Um, you got it, baby. You got the goods. So uh, we're going to talk We're gonna talk NCAA tournament prospects to watch from a sort of Portland Trailblazers lens. Before we get too deep into it, I will say, we spoke last year. We were doing a bunch of draft stuff. You came on a couple times and you said, I really hope we don't do this again next year. You're like, I hope we don't, I hope we don't talk about um, lottery prospects and all of those things because the Blazers, that means the Blazers had a good season and they can ignore the draft lottery. Bummer, dude. We're doing this in March. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we are. Um, Indeed, I, I have uh, Raphael is a, a secret, secret Blazers fan. Maybe not secret, but um, low key no, Blazers a, fan. I'm, I'm a real Blazers fan. <laughs> I'm a real Blazers fan. So this this makes it a lot easier. And I've thought about like the different scenarios hundreds of times throughout the year. So, um, so you know, we don't know exactly where they're going to be. You know, like. Um, I mean, they're going to, I guess we know where they're going to be. They're going to be at number one and it'll be easy for them to figure it out. They're going to win the draft lottery and then there's, there won't be much debate, but assuming that they're kind of in that, you know, we're going to, we're going to run this podcast like they're in that eight through 12 ish range, which is probably where they're very likely to end up. Let's start with the wings. Who are some wings we can watch in the NCAA tournament? Um, some, you know, guardy forward types that could help the Blazers, um, you know, next year or in the next couple of years. Well, there's a guy that I I don't know. He doesn't qualify as a wing, but he would be my first choice for Portland, and I hope he falls in that range, which, you know, it it's a possibility. But it's Jairus Walker from Houston. He's more of a more of a four, but he does so many things well. And he's one of the, the guys that I wish Portland had a player like him when they went to the conference finals a few years ago, someone sure. that can rebound, defend, block shots, but also make passes. I felt like there were times when, if you remember the series against the Pelicans when they trapped Dame, Portland didn't have anybody that they could get the ball to in the middle of the floor that could make a play, find a cutter, and just kind of be a, another playmaker in a sense. I mean, Nurt can do it a little bit, but Jairus Walker is like my ideal fit for Portland. And I, as of now, I think Portland is probably eighth, and I don't know if he's right. in that range. If he's not available, then maybe Bryce Sensenball from Ohio State would be a good sure. option. The weird physique in a sense, like 6'6", 235, but he shoots the ball well, can score. And, I um, mean, there are some concerns about his defense, but talking about a guy that wasn't really 
rated as like the, one of the top guys coming in, shot 40% from three, 48% from the floor, over 80% from the foul line, decent rebounder. I like him there, but I wonder if there are some concerns about his injuries. I know he had multiple injuries, lower leg injuries coming in out of, out of high school. And, you know, with, with Portland's history, <laughs> that's always going to be like, it's going to be a red flag for any team, but it's going to be like an additional red flag for for Portland. Uh, I think he'll be a good fit. Grady Dick will be able to provide shooting. Um, he's a wing from Kansas, has good positional size, one of the best shooters in the draft. Um, you know, there's such a, a need for wing shooting. So those guys are, are like the first three that come to mind. What do you, when you think about the Trailblazers, like what are your, I should ask you this maybe up front, what do you think their biggest needs are? Um, and I know you're kind of like, a, we've talked about this in the past, kind of drafting need versus fit, right? Like if he doesn't, if he doesn't fit, you don't need him. is <laughs> often yeah. what I've heard people say, but what is, um, what do you see as the Blazers' biggest needs heading into draft season, heading into the off season? And let's assume that that need could be filled by a youngster. Definitely depth at the five or even a starting center. I like Nurk. Uh, I was actually shocked to hear from um, someone within the Warriors that Portland didn't want James Wiseman. I thought, you know, James Wiseman would have been, you know, someone that could have helped, at least just giving them some depth. Um, and right now, as far as like centers, there really isn't one outside of Wimbayama in that range, unless you want to reach for Derek Lively from Duke, who was the top prospect coming into the season. And it, it, it's weird that we're talking about a guy that was so highly touted in his average five points a game, like five points, five rebounds per game. But he's more of a of a long-term term prospect. So, so, he's a really good drop big, really good drop big. And drop then, big. Uh, I've, he's one of the few guys I've really watched. I've seen a couple times because I'm a Carolina guy. Like, it's a really good drop big. I'm not sure he does a lot else at the NBA level right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, catch lobs. I mean, he's talented. There's sure. some things that he showed in high school that he hasn't really been able to show in, in Duke. Not saying that everything in, in the high school tape matters, but he does have solid touch and he was shooting threes in high school. My f concern with him was that he would fall in love with the three too much, which is something that <laughs> um, I actually met Rasheed Wallace a few months back and I told him like, you kind of changed the game, man. Now everybody wants to go out and, and space the floor. And, and um, Lively is a guy that I do worry about long-term. Once he starts making that shot, that he's going to completely fall in love with it and totally abandon being like a vertical lob threat and a rim roller. Um, a, a guy that may be interesting for Portland, and it's, but it would be if the Blazers make the playoffs, would be Chris Murray, Keegan Murray's brother. Mm -hmm. He's older. I think he'll be 23 when the season starts, but he's more so of an immediate plug-and-play guy that can help the team that you will get really, really good value in a sense because he'll be closer to his prime while he's on his rookie deal. And I think he could be a steal because I don't really see that much of a difference between him and his brother. I mean, one's left-handed, one's right-handed, but because of the age difference, it's going to be like a potential like 20 pick drop and within one year between the two. So right. I think, you know, for a team like Portland or any team that drafts, you're going to end up getting a guy that can come in and really, really contribute right away. And you'll get him for three or four years in his prime on a rookie deal. Like I said, let's, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to tune into some Hawkeyes basketball. I, 
if they make it out of the first weekend. I'll watch a little bit. I'll get my screens going on Thursday so I can watch a little bit of them. Let's talk about some other bigs and some other names the Blazers could target in the second segment. But first, I want to tell our listeners all about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM? I know Raphael has. And managing your own basketball franchise? Well, your dream can come true. And this game is definitely for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for everything. Hiring and hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the drafts and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. It's ultimate pro basketball GM, completely free to play, playable online, play, play it on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on Blazers listeners right now. Get 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code if you're watching on YouTube or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right. Let's chat a little bit more about this, about the Blazers and the draft. Uh, still chatting with Raphael Barlow, uh, host of Locked on NBA Big Board, the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. You can subscribe to the newsletter, NBA Big Board. It's how I learn about the NBA draft because I'm not watching college basketball. I watch one mediocre college basketball team and they break my heart and they don't have any pros on the roster. Go Tar Heels. <laughs> I, unless you're a big Armando Bay, Baycock guy, but I don't think he's an NBA player. Um Speaking of bigs who might be NBA players, the Blazers are, are likely to have two draft picks uh, in the first round. They're they're going to have their own because uh, I do not think they're going to make the playoffs, barring something special happening. Uh, but they also have uh, traded for a lottery-protected pick from the New York Knicks. And I think... Um, that pick is likely to be in the sort of that 20s range, uh, teens or 20s range. You know, knowing that they're going to have two spots to draft from, are there some bigs that might be available later in that first round that you like uh, for Portland, Raphael? Yeah, I um, there's a few. One guy that I, I like and I've mentioned that I would take him in the top 10. I don't think he's going to go in the top 10 is Gigi Jackson from South Carolina. He'll be one of the youngest players in the draft. And, oh, yeah, you're a Carolina guy, so you probably know that he committed and then decommitted. <laughs> but uh, I really like him. 6'9", 215, does a lot of things well. He handles the ball. The efficiency numbers aren't great, but he started his season at 17 years old. He'll be 18 on opening night as a, as a rookie. So, man, we're talking like Jermaine O'Neal young. That's that's how young that that he'll be. But he shows flashes of shot creation, shooting, one of the best ball handling fours that that you'll find. He plays, he has like the game of a wing as far as his ability to dribble, hit pull-up jumpers, and he's he's extremely young. So depending on what direction Portland is going in, you know, on one hand, they seem like they're half trying to win yeah. now, going with veterans, and the other half is developing really, really young guys. But he would be a great, great long-term prospect. Only thing is I wish that if Portland was trying to make another playoff push, which you assume that would be the case with uh, Dame on the roster, I wish Portland had its own G League team where they could have a little bit more control of developing. But on the other hand, they've done an excellent job developing their young players without a G League team. 
Right. <laughs> so, um, but Gigi would be a guy that I would definitely shoot for. Um, maybe a guy that's, you know, close to home. Well, he's not from Oregon, but plays at Oregon. Kalel Ware. Mm-hmm. Very disappointing season. And a lot of concerns about his motor and energy and effort, but the talent is there. And again, he'd be another long-term approach, but it just depends on how much time do the Blazers have with, with Dame. And it sounds like, you know, he wants to be there. It's not saying that I don't believe him. I definitely believe him, but it it's it puts the team in like a weird predicament. I will say for the, for the first time ever, maybe, he, he did an interview with Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, and I think Dame acknowledged that there is probably a point down the line where if they don't, if they aren't good enough and he's a certain age, that, that there is a world in which he, he realizes he could be no longer in Portland. I don't think we've heard him do that in the past. Um, not say, he was he was also saying like very clearly, I want to win here. I want to be here. I've said it a million times, but I think he also acknowledged like you know I, you know I've been in the league eleven seasons. Life life is weird. I've watched a bunch of my colleagues ha- you know have this happen to him. Um, but I I think you're right. They're going to try to do this dual timeline thing with the youngsters in the back half of the roster and the vets, um, which makes the draft even more curious because it's like. I think there's no way they take they use both of these picks in the draft. Like no way that they're going to have two more rookies, two more first round rookies. But I, but I think they will probably use one because like you having cost controlled good young players is a good way to have a good basketball team. Um, any other names we should know um, heading uh, that we might be able to to watch this weekend in the NCAA tournament? Well, there is um, a Tankathon, the site Tankathon. I look at Tankathon yeah. often and then compare that with other sites. Tankathon has the Blazers selecting Taylor Hendricks from Central Florida. I okay. really like Taylor there. I don't think that he falls to where they have him going at number 22. I think he could be someone that creeps into the late lottery discussions. And I had a chance to watch him play last week when – his team played um, in Fort Worth at the AAC tournament, and he's a, a good rebounder. I mean, he's somebody that he'd be at a power five. From the story that I've heard is that he has a twin brother, and it was a package deal, and Central Florida was like the first to offer a package deal for both, and so um, they wanted to stay together. If not, he would probably be at one of the top – blue blood schools or you know a bigger school playing in power five conference and he'd be a little bit more well known but he's athletic he can shoot the ball he can score in the mid post my comparison to him and it's not a a perfect comparison because their games are a little bit different but i could see like chris bosh in the era in today's era where he wouldn't have as many like mid post touches and face up touches, but more so as like your athletic pick and pop, pick and pop big that can attack a closeout and, and and defend at a high level. So I really like Taylor Hendricks, six, nine two ten, maybe not as big as Bosch. I don't think he'd be around in the late twenties, but if the Blazers have two picks and like you said, they trade one, they may be able to trade, and, and move up some and get him or get or higher, but he would be a guy that I really like there. Uh, Chris Bosch, all time fave of mine. Uh, so um, if you know, you get like a hall of famer, uh, add him to the squad. I yeah. think that's a good idea. I think it's absolutely a good idea. Right. Um, can't say that I've watched uh, any golden Knights games this year. Not a UCF have, have missed UCF on the, on the dial. Um, I kind of, I'm like, 
I parachute in. I'm like one of these people. Like I'm going to pretend to be, I'm not going to really pretend because I'm just going to ask you, but like, I'm going to start watching college basketball in earnest this week. And then I'm going to, I'm going to form some unhealthy opinions. Like I'm going to make some, I'm going to, I'm going to read your newsletter. I'm going to listen to this podcast. I'm actually recording it. So I probably won't have to re-listen to it, but I might, you know, cause I'm just that kind of guy. And like, <laughs> but, but I'm going to form my opinions based on the NCAA tournament. Like I'm going to be that GM that watches, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Flynn. And it's like, come on. <laughs> I'm like, come on March. But you know, last year, a lot of people yeah, did that. They do. Uh, I, and uh, there was one guy, I don't I, I was arguing. I was actually overseas last year, and I was arguing until like five o'clock in the morning why Armando Baycott is not a top five pick. And there was somebody that just kind of tuned in late, and they said that he should be a top five pick. They thought Caleb Love should have been a lottery pick. So yeah, there's a lot of um, opinions that are formed off of late season late season runs, which sometimes really it helps really guys does. Out. That's probably good news for my man Jaime Hawkes. Jaime. Time to time to go off in March, my dude. Time to get your time to get yourself some money. Uh, let's let's close the show. I want to ask you who it is. I'm gonna put you on the clock. Make your pick for the Portland Trail Blazers. That's what we'll do to close the show. But first, I want to tell my listeners about FanDuel. Listen, it's a great time to get in on the action and download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked On Blazers. Still chatting here with Raphael Barlow, founder of NBA Draft Junkies, host of Locked On NBA Big Board. Is also a, a subscription newsletter. Get it to your inbox. The NBA Big Board newsletter. All right, Raphael, you're on the clock with the ninth pick in the 2023 NBA Draft. The Portland Trailblazers select. Taylor Hendricks. <laughs> Chris Bosch himself. Yeah, Taylor Hendricks from Central Florida. I would love for Jairus Walker to be available, but Taylor Hendricks provides athleticism. Again, this is a guy that's 6'9", averaged about seven rebounds a game, two blocks, but also shot 40% from three and a little under 80% from the foul line. So he gives you a little bit of rim protection and outside shooting and athleticism. So perfect fit for Portland, in my opinion. Yeah, I I wonder, do you, I mean, you're like a draft guy. Do you think they should, what should they do to sort of rectify the timelines? Do, do you just go in and try to add talent? Don't worry about the age or is there, or is there a point where you have to kind of pick a route? Yeah, for Portland, I don't know, man. It, it's they're in like a very, very unique situation where they have a player that I don't want to say, well, he's in his prime. I think certain players, their prime is extended. I mean, you know, they may have like, He's playing the best basketball of his career. So whatever it might be, he's playing the best basketball of his yeah. career. Yeah. But he's on a team that is 
young and and not necessarily a, a threat to make a deep playoff run. On one hand, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you got this guy that's loyal. You're going to end up paying him $63 million at the end of his career. So you got to find, like, maybe the best players that fit with him. But then also you have to think about the franchise. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think right now you just take the, the best player available. I, I mentioned I, – I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know what they do. Like, I, I think you just try to add talent. And if there's not a trade there to be had, you just – get as much talent as you can on the roster and then figure it out at some point um, they'll have to, you know, I think they're going to try to make a big trade around the draft this summer. So maybe the eighth pick is the thing that they use in the big trade. And then they use 22 to add the rookie. That's more of a win now rookie. Right. But like whatever it is at some point, regardless of how this goes down, you got to make, you're going to have to make a choice. And I think this summer will inform some of what that choice looks like. I think this is the big sort of make or break summer and it'll be around the draft. So, um, whether it whether they have Taylor Hendricks or whether they just absolutely do not have the eighth overall pick because they've traded it for Jimmy Butler or whatever it is, you know, uh, whatever it might look like. Uh, I wonder how do you so like you watch so much basketball you watch in these you're watching uh, a bunch of these guys since they were young teens, you know, sophomores in high school and, and you've seen the tape on them. How do you avoid the sort of bias of March? Like, how do you avoid being me? Um, I guess like you said, it goes down to watching a lot of, a lot of basketball just kind of having, you know, a, a larger sample size, but it's, it's very much human nature to go by a recency bias. It's very easy. And one example that I had last year, it's kind of the opposite, opposite example was I was high on Paolo Bencaro mm-hmm. all season long. I said that he was the number one pick back in November. And fortunately for me, he had a deep run where they went to the the final four. So it wasn't necessarily like a recency bias. But then there were examples of guys, and I I can't think of one, maybe back in the day, I guess it was the Martel Webster draft. Chris Paul didn't have a great NCAA tournament. And so there were people that didn't think he should have been drafted as high as he was they thought he was too small just whatever you know concerns you may have and it's like they're intensified when it's a a bad NCAA tournament game good or bad but for me it's just I I usually watch so much but again I'm human it's easy for me to say you know I'm gonna move this guy up if he goes on a string of you know three or four games where he puts up 20 points per game or has really big performances on the biggest stage which you know is good for the player but it also makes it difficult to evaluate like the G League guys and the guys from overtime because they don't necessarily have the incentive to not saying they don't have the incentive to win but I mean like what's important do you want to does anybody know who wins the G League championship. Uh, my, my man, Kevin, you Dana know who will. goes to the sweet 16. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that could, you know, really affect the guys that aren't sure. playing, 
you know, that chose the different paths outside of college basketball. So you're like, you know, you got to keep you, you're, do you keep a running list? Like, do you keep, is your list active and you're like moving guys up and down? Or are you trying to say like, okay, I'll wait till the end and kind of like reassess my tape and reassess, you know, talk to my people and kind of go, go at it. Like how, how was your process in March and, and through the NCAA tournament? It's it's active. It moves up and down. I may take notes here. Sometimes I can overthink sure. it, and then um, yeah, it just changes. Like there was a, a guy, Kobe Brown, from Missouri that I liked, and I finally was like, okay, I'm gonna put him in my second round. He's got six eight two fifty. The efficiency numbers efficiency numbers were great. Played really well against Tennessee. Then the next game, I forgot who they played. He did absolutely nothing in a sense, and so then it kind of makes you just naturally just kind of question okay should i put them that high so it's going to fluctuate up and down and then once the season ends it's the same thing like it's still going up and down um as you're re-watching film on guys you may see some things that that you miss so it's it's always fluid our uh our nba teams at like i know they're at crazy at conference tournaments right everyone picks their conference tournament and kind of locks in Will they be, you know, if you're in the gym in the NCAA tournament, are you going to see like six NBA GMs or is that going to wait for a little bit further down the line, like Elite Eight, Final Four and stuff? I think it's the point where you start seeing the most because a lot of the top front office executives during the season are working towards the trade deadline and so on. So now they're really, really focusing on on the NBA draft. Some of their scouts have been doing it all year, but now, you know, for example, a GM – He's so focused on his team. He's probably not going to college games and traveling to college towns in the middle of the season. But right now, NCAA tournament, they're usually in large cities. Makes it very easy to get in and out. And it's an opportunity to see multiple prospects in one setting. So, I mean, I I imagine it's going to be full of NBA executives from the first round all the way through. Yeah, the I know four. that uh, college championship week is absolutely packed of uh, with you'll go into a, a small gym and it'll be the SEC tournament is just filled with NBA GM folks. It's like, oh, I guess that's where everyone is this weekend. Uh, so I was uh, curious yep. if, if that kind of continued. Um, certainly, I know that the Blazers um, in past um, have kind of always sent their folks out and then they kind of they pick their spots when you get to March about where they want to, where they want to send people. And they're pretty judicious about it. So I'm, sh- I'm sure they will be where, um, where the best prospects are and kind of, uh, and make their moves. Raphael, thank you so much for joining the program. I really, really appreciate it. No problem. Anytime you want me on, man, just, just let me know. Definitely make it happen. I am a Blazers fan. I mean, I have on my, my Blazers shirt. So um, if there's a team of it, I live in Dallas, but if there's a team that I, follow the most outside of men in Dallas is definitely Portland. I follow Portland even more because I am a fan. I have a vested interest in, and in, in what the Blazers do. So anytime you want to talk draft in Portland, just hit me up. Well, I'm hey, available. good news and bad news. We're heading into it's, it's draft. We made it to draft season for the Portland Trailblazers. Made the draft season. We weren't <laughs> supposed to be here, but we made it anyways. Listeners, come back for more shows later this week. Uh, Blazers play uh, on Friday against against the Boston Celtics. So uh, we will talk about look ahead to that game and, and the weekend ahead with some tough games. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.